Hello, everybody. We are back with our match reactions from you. Lots of people getting in touch after Saturday's game. Starting at the back, Ash Cowley thought Richards had a good game. Ben Pearson agreed with that, and he was one among a few who thought it was a good point. Ethan Bolter Ashcroft agreed, but thought the attack was nowhere near where it had been in pre season. Another who thought it was a good point was our own Tim Robinson, who focused on the positives, Rio and Ramsey amongst them. Another player picked out as having a good game by Daz was Mika. He also thought that McDonald helped control the game when he came on. Andrew Whittingham thought without the mistake, it probably would have ended 1-0 and that would have given everyone a different perspective. Pete thought it was a good point gained, but that's a disappointment when the club have been making noises about the playoffs. Some people were not so complimentary about the quality of football on offer. Gresty Roadender said it wasn't the best game, to put it mildly. Our own Stephen Dale simply thought it was a snooze fest. And Reverend Jim took that literally as he fell asleep on his sofa in the second half. Joe C had his pre-season optimism ruined when he saw the team sheets. H. Robinson was among several who thought it was all a bit flat. Sam Medford agreeing, thinking we didn't do enough to break down Cheltenham's tactics. On a similar theme, Danny Phillips thought Ainley and Dale didn't have good games. He goes on to say that we missed Lowry in the middle, a thought echoed by Ant Copeland. Luke Bevington puts the performance down to players getting to know each other on the pitch. Andy Priest isn't worried as we never play our best on the first game and after everything this week, it's important not to start with a loss. Speaking of last week, Jack Jones thinks we need to move quickly to secure replacements for Kirk and Hoban. Trevor Griffiths thinks a change of formation is needed with Kirk not available. Lastly, Jonathan Ditt is targeting four from nine in a run of tricky league games coming up. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. The season is now officially underway. It might not have been a win, but after Friday, it could potentially have been much worse. We will get to Friday, but we're going to start with the game. Uh, now, we are recording a couple of hours after the game, which, as you may remember from last season, it's in Neil's contract that he must record on a Saturday. He refuses to work on the Sabbath. So that must mean Neil's with us. Hello, Neil. Hello. Uh, we've also got Steve Bennett. Hi, Steve. Hello. And Mark Bertels. Hi, Mark. Evening. Happy new season. Yeah, well, let's get on to that then, shall we? Um, we've just had the first game of the season, the only game to talk about this week. What did we make of it? Mark, I'll come to you first. Any surprises in the team sheet before the game started? Um, no. Um, and I, I I was quite comforted, if that's the right word, when I saw the lineup because there was a, a lot of familiarity about it. Um, apart from Ramsey and Lundstrom, it's a side that um, will know each other really well um, and will all have played with each other before. Um, and that filled me with a bit of confidence when I saw it. I was quite pleased, um, which then baffles me as to why the performance ended up being so disjointed. If it was a, a team full of strangers playing the first competitive match together, then I could understand it a bit more, but... Um, but it wasn't. So, yeah, it was a bit of a confusing game today. Yeah, Steve, did you go in fairly confident after seeing the team? or? Yeah, reasonably. I, I, I kind of expected 
the game we got though if if you know what i mean i the notes i i made earlier was um i couldn't watch that every week you know that's to me it's very much anti-football they came to sort of not get beat and obviously they they sort of um achieved that um but um i definitely couldn't couldn't watch them every week and you know their game plan was to to stifle us to break up the play and to stop the sort of five ten eight pass moves going really and um i guess they they achieved that so it, it wasn't a vintage performance by any stretch but um yeah reasonably confident um just you do occasionally wonder where the goals are going to come from but um and i don't think that that changed by the end of the game to be honest uh, and then Neil, um, we talk about the goalkeepers quite a lot on this podcast. But uh, I'll, I'll start off the season with a question about the goalkeepers. Were you surprised to see Dave Richards in goal? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'm get, I, I'm presuming it's just because Will's. I think he's been self-isolating last week, so I don't know whether that was a case of um, he hasn't really been training. But yeah, I would, I would hazard guess that that's what it is, and not the fact that Dave Richards is number one. Well, you say number one. I think someone's filled in the forms wrong, haven't they? Because he's gone from 13 to 31 in the summer. I'm (laughs) not sure what the thinking behind that is, but I'm sure there's a reason. Um, The game doesn't start off particularly well, though, does it, Mark? It's it's quite a slow start to the season. Yeah, it was was disjointed. Um, There was no rhythm. um, And I think it was as much to do with us as them. Um, they obviously set up with those two banks of four that um, and made it difficult to get through. Um, but that's not the first time we've come up against that, and it won't be the last. Um, and we, we we just weren't fluid. There was no um, no real rhythm, no real pattern. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a slow start, and I think um, they'd have been much happier about twenty minutes in than those. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote down in my notes, Steve, that. The first real chance we had was uh, the little move down the right with Dale feeding Lundstrom, who crossed it in, and then Mika heading it over. And that was about 15 minutes in, and nothing had happened at that point, had it? No, no, it, it wasn't uh, one for the purists, really, was it? It was um, very bitty. Um, sort of niggles, wasn't it? There was no nasty, really heavy challenges or anything like that, but everything was, was there was a little pull or a... Or a um, a trip or whatever, just to break up the play. And as um, as Mark had said really earlier, that we we've got to remember how to play round that. You know, teams are going to come and stop us playing. But we we got to the stage in certainly last season and the season before really that um, we'd worked out how to play around that and to draw people out. But um, we seem to have forgotten that really and, and kind of allowed ourselves to get into that game of of them of it being very bitty and we never seem to do very well on those games because we haven't got those sorts of players so it was a nearly game um for a lot of it when I, what I mean by that is we we got into some good positions um and and did you know we passed the ball well enough and and built up all right but then there was that lack of creativity or a little trick or something that seemed to be missing um from players, aside from Dale, who, who tried to make things happen for 90 minutes, um, nobody else was particularly creative. Mm. It's all sideways yeah. and backwards. 
I, I think, to be honest, it was one of one of the guys at Six for Good said, um, we're missing that Rio overlapping, you know, like Pixie would, that would then open the door because all of a sudden you're behind that back five or or whatever. And we, we are missing um that confidence of that of that fullback to go forward. And that's a hell of a lot of how we play. I think Ramsey was trying down the right throughout. You know, you could see him, but even then, a lot of the time they were looking up, not seeing anything immediately on and going back and back across the back four then. And it's it's kind of playing then into into the likes of Cheltenham's hands, to be honest, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say, you know, I, I don't think this is a news flash to anyone, but that's the sort of thing with Pixie and Kirk that comes from playing with each other for 15 years uh, through all the youth teams. Um, but I would say, I've not seen the stats, but I'd be very surprised if Offord and Daniels weren't our two biggest passers of the game because the ball seemed to end up back with those two every time crew had the ball. Um, Neil, I'm going to move us on to the 29th minute of the game. First goal of the season. What were your thoughts on it? It was a lovely finish from the angle that I sat. You could still see it curling sort of bottom left corner. Um, good work from Lundstrom. I'm pretty sure it was. To sort yeah. Of yeah. See the man, like sort of the, the opportunity. I, I think he just slipped and he just grabbed the ball ahead of him. And then, yeah, nice little pass to Mika, who sort of curled it round. Um, yeah, it was it was good finish. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the benefit of watching it on TV, so I've seen a couple of replays. But what I think Mika does really well is he really convinces the guy he's going to shoot with his right foot. Uh, and, you know, if you know anything about the players you're playing against, you should know he's only really left-footed. But the, the defender completely buys this right-foot shot, ends up on his backside, and then Mika puts it away in the corner. Lovely. Um, I'm going to give you a stat. I apologise to a couple of you that have already heard this, but Josh Lundstrom, the only player in Crowley's history that I'm aware of that has got as many assists as league starts for Crowley's. One league start, one assist. So let's keep that up and uh, he'll be the next one on the way to unnamed South London club. So just before half time, um, uh, well, I'll let you take over, Steve. Donovan Daniels. Oh, thanks for that poison chalice. Oh my lord, what was going on there? Um, it was it was a nothing ball up the wing, and um, he done done his job right and played a. It was firm, a very firm back pass, but and it, it's easy to blame the defender there, but it seemed to happen in geological time for Richards. I I. The guys that sit with us know that I'm certainly no fan of Dave Richards. I think there's a reason he's been a number two for so long. Um, and part of that is his feet. Um, they're just not quick enough. And he seemed to be happy or just to let it. He seemed to be fixed like a rabbit in headlights. And it'd be interesting to watch the video back. This is only on a live viewing of it. But he, he kind of watched it go, and then he realised, oh, dear. Um, I nearly swore then, um, <laughs> that um, he was in trouble and he was never getting anywhere near it. Um, I think, to be honest, it is one of those. But, um, yeah, it, it was deflating, really, because it, it gave Cheltenham exactly what they wanted. They were back on parity and they then had something to defend again. I think it would have been interesting had the game gone on for another 10 or 15 minutes without them scoring as to how they changed. 
because they'd have been forced to. After that, though, um, I think I agree with you, Mark. It's very, very bitty. Uh, I put a tweet out at halftime saying it reminded me of the Charlton game at the start of last season. We a little bit off the pace with the passing, and they seem to just sort of get to every ball. And then after halftime, I have not really written anything down. Nothing really seemed to happen. <laughs> Mark, I gave Steve the Cheltenham goal. I'm going to give you Donovan Daniels' performance as a whole to talk about. I, I, I don't like to slag players off, but I thought it was awful today. Yeah, I mean, without jumping too far ahead, only the manager will know if he was going to start today, if other things hadn't transpired as they have this last week. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's a giant of a man. Um, He's got everything you'd want from a centre-half and he he looks um, formidable. And yet there's just something missing. I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, you know, he partnered Offord and Offord was fantastic, mm. um, as were the two fullbacks. Um, so he was the, the obvious weak link. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. He didn't, uh, he didn't have the best of games. What I will say, though, just quickly, is um, I w- personally, I would absolve Dave Richards from any blame for that goal. Um, I'm not... Um, not purposely disagreeing. I just think it was uh, never in a million years would he have been expecting that kind of back pass. And no, he did lump it, didn't he? He did it. The initial, it. the yeah. initial threat, if you can even call it a threat, out on um, on that wing, dealt with it, hadn't he? Dealt with it, and you're just thinking, right, okay. I mean, I don't like defenders doing that. Going back to the keeper, I always think it's a lazy option anyway. But if you're going to do it, just roll it. Um, it was <laughs> it was a hell of an assist. If you've been doing that at the other end, mm. saying what a ball! Yeah, it was a great crossing, full of pace in that danger zone uh, where the goalkeeper doesn't know where to come for it. Yeah, well, he didn't, did he? No, um, I just say something about Richards, and it's something we said today watching the game. Um, it's not for his lack of effort or 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 anything like that. He just I don't see him as a crew player, if you know what I mean. Our usual style, even our sent centre arse can play a bit and I'm not sure he's comfortable doing that I think he's a fine head the ball away and somebody else deal with it sort of thing but he's expe- a bit more is expected isn't it at crew uh, yeah so Joey's out and you know we'll see won't we Neil I'll come to you for the deciding vote then was that that goal purely Daniel's fault or has Richard got to take a bit of blame whose side do you fall on I would probably say Daniels. I mean, I would, I would be giving credit as well. I mean, I don't know whether the weather, like the rain out there today, I don't know whether that played a factor of sort of of how fast the ball travel. Um, but yeah, it's probably Daniels uh, yeah. for me. Yeah, we do get told quite a lot that we come down on the goalkeepers quite hard on this podcast, uh, and I would say. I don't often venture my own opinion, but I would say that I don't really blame him for that goal that he conceded. I think that's just a shocking back pass. I do think, Steve, you do have a point that Richard is slow off his line, uh, and that comes to the second half, uh, which we'll come to in a sec. I've been critical of both keepers, but and Dave Richards wouldn't have been, if I was Dave Artel, he wouldn't have been my first choice today, although the circumstances dictated that, I think. Um, but 
in the end, he got us a point. He made two great saves in the second half. And uh, yeah, credit, where, credit it's due. where it's credit where it's due. Yeah. So that's the point I wanted to come on to. He does make a great double save. However, I feel that what Steve said earlier about him being a bit quick off his line, a little bit more um, reactive, maybe is the word I'm looking for. He wouldn't have needed to have done that. I do think there was time for him to come off the line and get that. But, he, you know, he's there to save shots. The first one was superb, wasn't it, with his feet? Yeah, he did it the first half, actually. They, uh, he made the save and then he got up and, and held the follow-up, but it was flagged offside, so it kind of got missed. But had he not been offside, it was they were two smart saves. But yeah, those in the second half were, uh, were really good. That's about it in my notes for the second half. Dave Richards' double save and then... Donovan Daniels took a shot that ended up on Gresty Road. Um, that's about it. Does anyone else have anything that I've missed? Because it not, not a lot really happened, did it? No, not not a lot really. It was pretty much more the same, wasn't it? You know, um, slow, ponderous build-up from from ourselves. But I'd, I'd also say that I, I do think Richards is part of that because it, when he gets the ball, you know, catches the ball, he's so slow rolling it out or playing it out that it allowed Cheltenham to reset. And instead of having four beyond the ball, they've got nine or ten of them back behind it. Um, but it was more of the same, you know, uh, niggly foul. And then if they, if they won the ball back, they boot it as hard as they can up to up top, really. Um, it was just horrible anti-football, as, as I said earlier. Um, and, uh, yeah, it isn't one that you'd be buying the DVD of, is it, really, to be honest? I mean, look, in, in isolation, it's probably a disappointing draw. Um, but it's the first game of the season. And Cheltenham uh, are a good side. They're very well organised and were. Um, and you have to respect that. And, yes, we could have and should have found a way around it or through it or over it, whichever. But if, if in... 10, 15 games time, Cheltenham have gone to some of the bigger grounds in League One and frustrated some of the better sides. Um, then we might be looking back saying, actually, that was all right. That was a, it was a decent point. You know, we don't know how they're going to do. We don't know how anyone's going to do. So yeah. it's hard to judge it um, so soon. Uh, but certainly on on the, on the performance from us, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. They they looked like a team who believed in what they were doing. They had a job to do, and they did it. You know, you can see why they why they won League Two if they were playing like that because they were very very effective, weren't they? And you can't take that away from them. No, there's no law that says you have to play pretty football or whatever. It said one one at the end, so that's all that matters, isn't it? And um, yeah, it, it's just. Just one of those, isn't it? That it, it, I wouldn't pay to watch it every week, but um, such is life. So I was more concerned, if anything, because we've seen that before. We've seen teams put those banks up for, and, and we've struggled to get through. I was more concerned with how exposed we we were quite quickly when they broke. Um, you know, the guy got through in the first half and smashed it over the bar. Uh, Richards made far more saves than their keeper. In fact, I can't really remember their keeper making many. Certainly not at the level, you know, where you're thinking we're mm. going to score here and then we didn't. Uh, so that would be a bigger worry. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the same thing as you guys just said. You know, they they won League Two last year. They knocked us out of the FA Cup. Um, it feels like a disappointment drawing at home on the opening day to a team that's been promoted. But when you look at it as, you know, in the facts, then maybe it won't be. 
Um, one thing you guys won't have heard, the four of you on this call, because obviously producer Dave is with us as well, is um, that Michael Duff is another of these managers that Pete Morse is not a fan of. Um, I don't know if that came across in the crowd, Neil, but um, his constant berating at the fourth official and you know the tactics of his team, was that something that the home crowd picked up on? Yeah, definitely. I think there was a there was a period as well, late second half, where the ref had a, a good chat for what seemed like a good two or three minutes, which ironically that's I mean, we only had three minutes added on time at the end. But um yeah, he was definitely arguing and shouting about everything. One of them, uh, a little bit like well, Steve Evans is always the one that comes to mind with that mm. then. Um, let's go back to crew players then. We've talked about the goalie. We've talked about the two centre-backs. Uh, Neil, I'll stick with you. Was there anyone that stuck out as a positive for you today? Yeah, both full-backs for me, uh, especially more so for the first half. Um, and um, Kane Ramsey for me, like because I haven't actually seen him live. Um, so, yeah, it's my first, first chance. And, yeah, really impressed with him to be honest. Yeah, I thought he had that little touch of class that these players that come from uh, Premier League academies sort of have where, you know, they, they feel like they know what they're doing and they're not afraid to show that. Um, so, yeah, I would agree. The two fullbacks, including our very own Railway Men podcast-sponsored Rio Adebisi, uh, had a good game. Um, Mark, anyone else you'd like to mention? Uh, Lundstrom was good, considering that uh, it was a first start. Um, and maybe a little bit unexpected. Um, Mandrin's a very, very effective target man. Um, I'm glad he's got off the mark early. That's important. Um, you know, you don't want to drag that first goal out. It's a, it's a mental thing. And I think Owen Dale, um, he wasn't particularly effective, uh, but his work rate is what it always is. Um, I think what he needs to do... Uh, if I'm in a position to give a professional footballer advice, is uh, maybe lower expectations of himself. He seems to beat himself up quite quickly and look frustrated with himself when things don't go the way that he wants. Um, and that they will. They'll come. Uh, if he keeps working as, as hard as he is, um, he's going to go very far in the game. Um, so I think he's, he's going to be a very, very key player for us this season with the, with the potential loss of others. Mm-hmm. I think... I pick up on um, Mika. I thought he had a tremendous game today. Very, very tough. One man against three centre-backs, but I thought he led the line really well. I'd say Dale, I mean, he tried. He didn't really achieve a lot. It was a game to forget for Callum Ainley and Ollie Finney as well, wasn't it? Um, Finney went off with about 20 minutes to go and we got to see Sean Was Finney playing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got to see Sean McDonald. He came on. What did you make of him, Steve, in the 20 minutes? He He did all right. We didn't see an awful lot. Of him, but I, I I wonder whether that's the type of player he is. Um, I thought I thought he was reasonably effective. He got his foot on the ball and 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 that. But what he did do is it allowed Lundstrom to go a little bit further forward. And I thought he looked he looked a different player for that fifteen minutes or however long it was. Um, I, I thought he got involved in a couple of attacks and you know he showed what a strong little player he is and and thought he thought he looked good. Um, but the play, a player that nobody's mentioned who I thought did so much donkey work, if you like, that the not you know the stuff nobody sees 
was was Luke Murphy. I thought he was exceptional today. He always um, does. He does a lot of unseen. Yeah, work. he does. You know, it, it, it's it, it's not the headline stuff, but he just makes it tick. He just makes it, you know, work. Moves the ball on, and you know, the odd little foul here and whatever. And it's he's one of those players that every team needs. And I thought, I thought for me, he was actually man of the match today. I don't know who actually got it officially, but um, man, John, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to Finney, um, he's coming back from a, a, a nasty injury um, and maybe there's a bit of expectation because he, he was in fine form when he got injured last season. Um, and regarding Callum Ainley, I mean, again, we don't know uh, what the plan is or was for Callum Ainley. I wouldn't imagine he would have seen himself on the, the left wing. Um I would imagine Charlie Kirk would have been there. So, you know, we don't know at what point he found out he was playing there. But for someone that's got to have a, a big season, um, he's going to have to do significantly better than he did today. Yeah, that sort of sparked a bit of debate in uh, the, the chat amongst the other panellists that Calamani hasn't practised there, he's not trained there. But it can't be a surprise that he might be needed there. I just I just really got frustrated today with the amount of times he backed out of challenges or ran down blind alleys. I mean, I don't need him to score two goals a game. I just need him to put 100% in it. And if I want to, I just didn't think I got that today watching him. Um, the only, I've got a couple of things I want to mention before we move on. Um, it was a bit strange to me, I don't know if you agree, that we brought a sub on in the 86th minute uh, for Callum Ainley and it was Chris Porter rather than Chris Long. Uh, Chris Long, an unused sub. Did that surprise anyone? Yeah, well, for me, Chris Long was coming on as well um, about five minutes earlier, and then he sat down. Um, he was, I'm sure he was having a, a long chat with Dave, and it looked like he was about to come on, and then he disappeared. Then before we knew it, Porter was on. Mm. But It's possible that the plan was just pump it up into the box and uh, Porter's a bit more reliable with that sort of thing than Long is. I don't know, but uh, it was a surprise to me. And then I'm going to bring in someone who normally sits quietly and uh, just competent, dependable Dave, uh, because you want to talk about the new addition to the stadium, don't you, Dave? Brilliant that we've got a new scoreboard, but did anyone else agree that, bloody hell, turn it down a bit? I almost burnt my retinas out. Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think come um, November we'll be sat around it, won't we, for heat. It's um, it's somewhat bright, isn't it? Yeah, is it meant to be like that? Are all school boards like that? I'll play devil's advocate because um, I'm really impressed. Uh, it's certainly been worth the 20-year wait or whatever it is we've been asking for. <laughs> it's, um, it's amazing. It's fantastic. And uh, the tribute with... Uh, about 10 minutes before kickoff to people that have passed away was uh, was brilliantly executed by the club. Um, the way that it was presented, the music that played with it, it was really, really good. No, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I'm being a little bit uh, facetious, but yeah, I, yeah. It, it, was, it, it, did some, it wasn't just me. There's a few people around me saying, can they turn the school board down a bit, do you think? Because it was yeah, a grey, grey day, wasn't it? And it really stood out. Yeah, it's but it you know don't get us wrong. It, what a fantastic addition, addition rather, um, to the to the stadium and indeed to the experience really. Um, and I know I've passed that on to you know the powers that be and and stuff myself that that I know within the club. But the the one bugbear for me, the one bugbear, 
um, is, and I've taken this up with, with certain people who, who told me to go away, is that the, the numbers, when they're ticking up, aren't all the same width. And I so noticed that, yeah. One, so it moves. The one it, it yes. moves from left to right. Oh, yeah. does that annoy me? Yeah. The one is, isn't the same width as a zero, so the, the four numbers go in and out. On as the yeah, counting, I up. did notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just uh, just set it so that it's the same width, you know. <laughs> I have not noticed that. Um, you will now. <laughs> if anyone from the club is listening, it would be um, <laughs> it would be amazing if they could get uh, replays of goals on it to help us out with this podcast. Yeah, I don't this. know about licensing <laughs> and things like that, whether what they can do, but um, I bet you there'll be some sort of restrictions as well on inciting crowds and stuff if it's a dodgy goal or whatever so i don't know how easy that is to do for them but yeah okay so that was the cheltenham game talked about we'll be back in a sec with the games coming up this week right there is two games coming up this week the first is a tuesday night trip to the northeast um, Hartlepool are back in the league. They're back in League Two, and they have drawn Crew in their first League Cup game back. Lucky them. Uh, Neil, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to check this yet, but they uh, started off on Saturday with a 1-0 win at home to Crawley, an 88-minute winner. Pretty good start for them, yeah? Yeah, um, very good. Um, yeah, three points, first game. Happy with that. Steve, um Crew in four competitions this year. Where does the League Cup rank in your order of importance with those four? Uh, definitely three. Um, we don't do the Pizza Cup anymore. Not while the under-21s are in it. Um, yeah, um, definitely three. Three. I, I don't think they'll take they'll take a mixed squad up there, won't they? And um, and see what they get. I don't think anybody will be in tears if they don't get through but it'd be nice too if they could so who knows really it's very much a third competition isn't it even at our level yeah mark who would you sort of like to see in this game i mean i'm thinking chris long's got to play in this game surely if he didn't get on the pitch today mcdonald maybe to get some minutes in his legs mcfadzine as well I'd agree with all of them um i think hartley pulled away on a tuesday night is up there with um the mythical Stoke City on a Tuesday night when it's raining. It's uh, it's not the most attractive of games, is it? And, um, and it's also a game that on paper we expected to win, which always makes me a little bit nervous. But I'd certainly use the um, use the opportunity to to play some of the new faces and um, and just see. Uh, you know, as as you've just said, nobody's going to be kicking and screaming if we uh, if we lose. Don't want to lose um, because then that's two games without a win. And you never know who you can pull in to make a few quid later on. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly be tempted to uh, to give a few of the newer faces a run out. Yeah, I'd like to see Billy Sass, Travis Johnson, Regan Griffiths. I'd like to see these players having a bit of a run out as well, seeing what they can do. Maybe get Will back in goal to see how he is. Uh, yeah, I think I'd play Will. Um, maybe uh, give Porter a start. Certainly long, uh, absolutely. Um, he's not gonna. He's not gonna find anything out about the players that play today that he doesn't already know on Tuesday. Like you just said, Mark, it is a game crew probably should be favourites for. They are a division above. Uh, the other things as well. I had a look at their squad. It's very thin, um, but they've only had five weeks off since the playoff final in the in the national league. So 
they haven't really had a lot of time for rest. They've not had a lot of time with prep. Um, so, I mean, I would agree it's not the end of the world if we go up, but I would expect Crew to be winning this game. We'll move on to Portsmouth then. That's going to be quite a little bit of a harder game, trip to Fratton Park. I think last season's game at Fratton Park was one of the more disappointing games this season. We were 2-0 down, half-time. Right, let's give it a go, second half. And then we were 4-0 down after 56 minutes. And we just didn't turn up that day, did we? Uh, I think also it was one of... Um, I think it was the first Omar Beckles shows where you know he makes one mistake and then he makes a second mistake and he makes a third mistake. A couple of times we saw that last year. Uh, I don't know if you guys would agree with that. Yeah, a good day to go to being Q, wasn't it, that one? I think I lasted to the, I think, the third one um, and thought, oh, I need to go and look at drill bits or something. I don't know. It wasn't good, was it? One of those, one of those, unfortunately, as good as we have been in recent years, we're still capable of one or two of those a season. Um, obviously, we had a couple at home towards the end, didn't we? But um we are capable of that, and I don't think we've ever got to the bottom of why, and we're going back to the Grady days, aren't we? You know, we'd be capable of one of those. Um, Saturday, next Saturday, who knows, really? It's early season, isn't it, still? Um, I know that they've had a, a few players leave, and, and reading between the lines, I don't think they've had quite the recruitment they'd like, but... They'd, um, they'll still be a decent side, won't they? And a stern test, I would suspect, for us. Yeah, no, I feel like I've heard lots about Ipswich this summer, a lot about Wigan, a lot about the relegated teams. I don't really think I've heard much about Portsmouth, uh, but they have had the Cowleys in there now over the summer to see what they can do. I think as well, Mark, they're going to be confident. They started off their season with a 1-0 away win at Fleetwood on Saturday. So they're going to be up for it, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's... However they've uh, recruited or however they're playing, it's one of the more difficult away matches in uh, in League One and, and even more so now with the crowds back in. Um, but I think, Stuart, you made a point towards the end of last season, which is a very valid one, that sometimes uh, more, more often than not, crew tend to uh, play as well as the opposition they're against. Um, and you think of... Uh, Ipswich away last season. I know they lost and then Charlton, uh, two big grounds, whether they're empty or not, they're two big clubs and we went and performed really well. So we are capable of it. Um, so whilst it's a tricky game and, and a good one to get out the way early, um, I don't think we should be intimidated. And it's kind of, as I've just said, with us playing Hartlepool on Tuesday, we're favourites to win. You would think everybody in the football world will look at that and think, yeah, that's a Portsmouth win. So there's no real pressure, I wouldn't say. It's uh, go and enjoy it. Neil, do you agree with that? A cup win on Tuesday and then possibly a league loss on Saturday, but giving it a good go? Yeah, no, pretty much. Yeah, bang on, really. Um, hopefully, I mean, with last year's display, there may be a case of sort of trying to put things right maybe like down there my my worry is obviously the crowds I mean we all know how good Pompey fans are I'm sure it's the first it'll be the first league home fixture for them um so they'll all be massively up for that um so that I suppose that's a worry with the crowds but um yeah as long as we do a little bit better than last year then I'm happy <laughs> 
Yeah, I did enjoy that a couple of years ago. What was it? it must be three or four years ago now where uh, George Ray scored, was it 80th minute to win 1-0 and the Bells finally stopped at Portsmouth <laughs> uh, after all the time. So I enjoyed that day out. I think I travelled down then with very low expectation uh, and then came away, well, crew came away with three points. So it, it's happened before. It could happen again on Saturday. Don't want to be too negative. So to give us the lowdown on Pompey's summer and making his hat-trick appearance on the pod is Dr. Andy from Pompey News Now. Hi, Andy. Welcome back to the pod for your third appearance. Hello, how are we doing? Yeah, nice to be back. Um, a little bit sad that we're still in the same league, um, but, you know. <laughs> It means we get to chat every uh, every season now. So, yeah, looks like we're stuck with each other for a while, bud. Yeah, so, I mean, you've just mentioned we're still in the same league. Uh, we last spoke in April before the nil-nil draw at Gresty Road. Uh, Portsmouth were in the playoff places then, but I remember that you were not too convinced about Pompey's chances last season, but you were keen to give the Cowleys a full summer, assess them then. It turns out you were spot on. So, um, what's your assessments now? The Cowleys have had the summer to rebuild the squad. Yes, yeah, been a serious overhaul. Hey, um, I think we, we've got, I mean, we'll talk about players in a moment, but we've got potentially a couple coming in today. And I think that'll make it 12 players that have come in over uh, since the end of last season, which is, uh, yeah, quite a large turnover for Pompey standards. Um, yeah, last time we played each other was just it was shortly after Jacket had gone, wasn't it? And uh, the Cowley brothers had just come in and they basically had a bit of a free swing um, at the end of the season which didn't quite um, play out as we would have hoped. But yeah, they've had the summer. They've completely rebuilt the squad, to be honest with you. It's it's largely, well, not unrecognisable, but there is a lot of names on there. If you compare the team sheet to last time we played you, that will be uh, that'll be new to your your listeners or your fan base. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's an interesting one because we don't really know how good we are, which sounds like a really silly thing to say, but it's the first time in quite a few years. Obviously, when we were dropping down the leagues, we knew where pretty much where we were going to finish in the league table. And then League Two, we assumed would be pretty much near the top. And then League, yeah, League One has been fairly consistently sort of lower top half of the table. And now we, we, we're kind of clueless, to be honest with you. So we're kind of finding out at the same time you are. So you've had one game to find out how good you are. Uh, it started off pretty well for Portsmouth, didn't it? One nil away at Fleetwood on Saturday. Yeah, it was quite an interesting game in that we actually we were on the back foot for a, a large proportion of the game um in you know sod's law we've the, the one place on the pitch that we're really quite thin at the moment is center midfield uh, we only had two or two center midfielders in the squad over the age of 17 um and one of them pulled up in the warm-up for the first game of the season so we ended up having our new left back uh connor ogilvy playing in center midfield for his first uh, first time in his entire career so yeah uh, he's straight away out of position because of necessity but that should hopefully be sorted by the time we play you or even potentially by the time this episode goes out but uh yeah the Fleetwood game we were on the back foot for large large parts of it and it came down to yeah a goal from our left back Lee Brown who doesn't score too often but um so it causes quite a lot of excitement when he does and yeah I think it was a bit of a teething game to be honest with you it's gonna get it's gonna take time for the players to get used to playing together um Honestly, I'd imagine the start of the season is quite a good time to play this squad because there are so many new faces around and it's going to take, you know, game time will help them gel. So I'd, I'd imagine from a sort of an opposition point of view, it's maybe a good time to play us. Having said that, there are some, yeah, some of those new faces in the team are quite exciting. Um, and 
as I say, hopefully by the time we do play, there'll be a couple of other centre midfielders in our squad um, of, of decent quality that we've been linked with. So hopefully we won't be quite as short in the middle of the park. But yeah, you're not going to complain about three points first day of the season. Um, there are obviously some, some Pompey fans who you know, just enjoy complaining and saying the performance wasn't good enough and we were lucky to get away with three points. But three points away from home, first game of the season, sort of different squad, you're going to take that any day of the week. So yeah, hopefully we can consolidate that over the next couple. And I mean, Fratton Park's going to be rocking. So hopefully it will back us to, to take three points off you as well. Let's talk about some of these new players then. I think you just said there's 12, is there, that's new? The well, two come in this afternoon. There'll be 12 in total, I think. Right. So there's going to be 12 new ones if they come in. It's not been that long since crew played Portsmouth in terms of games. I think it's only about seven or eight games ago, but it sounds like mm. it's going to be quite a different team that we'll be facing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you'll recognise certain players in the team. The goalkeeper is likely to be Alex Bass, who was our uh, largely second-choice goalkeeper last year. We lost Craig McGillivray to, I think, Charlton he went to in the end, which is a bit of a kick um, for him to stay in the same league when he was potentially the best keeper in the division. Um, yeah, we've got a uh, new right-back who may well start, Kieran Freeman, um, who was at Sheffield United for quite a while. Um, Connor Ogilvie may well start a left-back, although I'd, it would be harsh for him to come in for Lee Brown, who actually scored the winner at the weekend at left-back. Um, he was at Jill's and he was their player of the season last year. And he's yeah a very, very high-quality left-back that's come in. Um, Centre-back, we've brought in Clark Robertson. I've made a list in case you couldn't tell because there's so many of them. Um, Centre-back, we've got Clark Robertson who's come in. Uh, I think he was at Rotherham last year in the Championship um, and has chosen to come to Pompey rather than going back to Aberdeen. Um, other new players... Um, yeah, centre midfield is completely different. Pretty much all of our central midfielders left the club. So Ben Close went to Doncaster. Um, Andy Cannon, I think, went to Hull. Tom Naylor to Wigan. I think he went to Wigan. Uh, well, Jack Botmore, one of our centre-backs, went as well. So yeah, centre midfield. So Sean Williams has come in from Millwall. Um, he's the player that pulled up in the warm-up at the weekend. So I doubt you'll be seeing him unless it's a very, very quick uh, turnaround from a minor niggle. Um, Ryan Tunnicliffe will start in centre mid, I'd imagine, um, who's also a new addition. This, the list is so long. Gasana Hadmi is the, sort of the, the joker in the pack, I guess, or the sort of the unknown quantity. Uh, he came in from Norwich under 23s, I think, on trial and uh, came, yeah, came as a trialist for preseason. And he scored, I think, eight in four games or eight in five games in preseason. Um, which is a good way of getting yourself noticed by the coaching staff. Um, and now we've got him on loan from Norwich for the season. And then only other likely player that is on our books at this moment in time is uh, George Hurst, who's uh, a striker that's coming from maybe it's either Leicester City or Leicester City under 23s. It's one of the one of their um, squads who's sort of a tall striker who has kind of struggled with his career so far. He's not got a huge amount of game time. He came on as a sub at the weekend. Um, I don't know if any of your fans remember Ollie Hawkins, who was at Pompey previously. Number nine, sort of a tall, quite lanky, sort of sure stretches the play. Um, sort of a similar kind of vibe to that. Um, but yeah, hopefully by by the time we play you, we'll have had a couple of other signings coming in as well. So there's it's not as good as done. I don't want to make myself sound silly here, but it's sort of you're, we're fairly confident that by the end of today or tomorrow, Joe Morrell will have come in from Luton, um, which would be, again, a really strong sentiment field signing. He was at the Euros with Wales um, and he's been 
with the Cowleys in the past, I think. Um, and I think that was at Lincoln. He was with them. And potentially Louis Thompson as well, another centre midfielder who's been injured quite a lot. Uh, so I think, well, the rumours are he's coming in on sort of a pay-per-play kind of contract, which would be really interesting because I've not, I've not seen that so publicly reported uh, in, in player contracts in League One before. So, yeah, it's, it's a very different lineup. So you're only really likely to recognise goalkeeper, uh, right back, potentially Callum Johnson might start, although it's unlikely. One of our centre-backs, Sean Raggett, who will either be sublime or ridiculous. Um, Lee Brown, you'll recognise. And then Marcus Harness and um, Ronan Curtis are still at the club. Curtis got linked with championship teams over summer, but how much of that link was genuine and how much of it was due to his agent is anyone's guess, but he's still around at the moment. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting lineup. And as I say, there's so many new players coming in. We're kind of trying to figure out how the team are going to play. Sort of, We'll be figuring out at the same time that you are during the game. So with that being the case then, I'm going to ask you two final questions. I think one you'll find a little bit easier to answer than the other. Uh, the easier one I would suggest is what prediction have you got for the game on Saturday uh, in terms of is this going to be crew catching Portsmouth at a good time or is there going to be too much quality for the home team, do you think? I mean, that's in, entirely dependent on how you... I mean, you was it Cheltenham you drew with at the weekend? Yeah, how was your was. performance? I'll, I'll ask you a question back before I answer uh, it, okay? Uh, poor, I would say. Um, it was... Not very fluent. Passing was a bit sloppy. Um, it all felt a little bit rusty. Okay. In which case, I'll definitely go for the Pompey win then. Um, I think we were fairly rusty as well, especially for the first half. Um, but I do think being back in a full Fratton Park is genuinely going to make a difference, uh, hopefully in a good way. Um, I'd say I'd go with a 2-0 Pompey win, I think. I think there is actually quite a lot of quality in that side now. And if you compare our squad for the first game of this season, or our first 11 at least, with the first 11 from the first game of last season, I do think it's stronger this year. Um, so, yeah, I'll go 2 0 Pompey. Okay, that takes me on to the last question then before I let you go. Um, you've had one game. This is quite a hard question. What's this season got in store for Portsmouth? That's the, that's the million dollar question, right? Um, on our pod, I went crazy optimistic um, and I predicted fourth, which is a lot higher than most Pompey fans, I, I believe, would predict at the moment. I think around the playoffs, people would be pretty happy with the Cowleys' first year in charge. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick to my fourth prediction like a crazy optimist because, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder and you get more optimistic after a couple of months off, right? And suddenly I'm thinking we're going to win every game, uh, which is, yeah, football's fairly brutal, isn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go with fourth, but head says probably the lower end of the playoffs, maybe, maybe sneak Sneak sixth, but um, I'll go. I'll go with fourth because I've committed to it already on a different podcast. Fair enough. Thank you, Andy. Um, I believe you're out on a walk at the minute, so I'll uh, I'll let you get back to that. Awesome. Thank you very much, bud. Nice Thank to chat you. to you as always. Have a good Cheers. season. So we have a new competition this season. It's not about guess the score. It's now all about guess the minute of the first goal. Last week was the first time that the panelists had a go. Remember, the aim is to get as close as you can to the minute and then to get as low a score as possible. Uh, last week, James went for seven minutes, Steve Davis went for 12 minutes and Russ went for 33 minutes. So with Mika's goal coming in the 29th minute, it means to start the season, Russ has four points, Steve has 17 and James has 22. Um, so nice start to the season. Um Neil, I'm going to start with you. Hartlepool, Tuesday night. When is the first goal going to come? I'm going to be really tactical and say 45th. 
Fair enough. Uh, Mark? 12. Okay, and Steve? 17, one seven. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order for uh, the Portsmouth game. Steve, Portsmouth away. Uh, 27. Okay. Mark? I have, I've got 28 written down here, honestly. So, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with it. All right. I feel like there's a, a, maybe a vibe from today's game sort of uh, gone into your thinking there, maybe. Neil finishes off then. Portsmouth? Um, again, tactical, 45. Okay. Is this going to be a weekly thing, Neil, every time you're on? <laughs> well, whenever I'm on, yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's the competition. I do feel like we've probably got another day to talk about before we wrap up uh, this week's pod. Friday, I got a message midway through the afternoon, uh, time out here. Uh, Charlie Kirk's off. It's all happening. He's going to Charlton. It's done. Uh, there'll be an announcement today. Um, that was a start. That didn't happen in the end. It's not been officially announced yet. Uh, there is a strong possibility by the time this podcast is published and you've listened to it, it will have been announced. It might be Charlton, it might not. Uh, but that seemed to start off quite an odd day, didn't it, Mark? It started off a nightmare day. Um, all the I woke up on Friday morning full of anticipation and excitement like a kid on Christmas Eve. And by tea time, that had all been overtaken by worry and feeling anxious and um, not really sure what was going on. Um, and at a time where I think the, the communication between the club and fans is probably the best I've ever known. Um, it just seemed bizarre that there was nothing coming out to... Uh, to either confirm or deny. I mean, in fairness, there might not be anything to confirm or deny, but I suspect there's uh, no smoke without fire on on one or two issues. Yeah, let's talk about another one of those issues then. Like I say, Charlie Kirk hasn't happened yet, but I think the one that surprised, shocked most crew fans is uh, Tommy Hoban's going to leave the club having never played for the club. Um, Steve, what do you make of this rumour? Uh, bizarre at best, I, I, I think. Um, I, I believe that, that there is a lot of substance to the rumour and I believe that it, it may well have been sorted um, just needing to be announced. But um, it, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. You know, signing a deal for, I think it was 12 months, wasn't it, to play and then deciding that you're not going to go and play anyway I'm I'm confused I'll be honest I wonder what the what the sort of the story is whether whether he you know he's had a lot of injuries and he, we've had a, a proper hard pre-season you only have to look at the shape the players are in and whether he whether he thinks he can't do it anymore whether his body isn't up for it I'm trying to give him an excuse there because I think it's uh, pretty poor what he's done to the club otherwise um I, I, I'm trying to trying to choose choose my words nicely, but um, I, I'd be I'd be keen as the club to retain his um, registration, put it that way, because I would hope that he isn't trying to pull a fast one on them. I um I mean it, it, I'm going to look at it uh, in a few ways. On Friday, I was frustrated and annoyed and angry um, and confused, and you think well. David Artel's had a list 
and he's been on there somewhere, whether he's first, second, third, fourth choice. But the rest of the people on that list have no doubt been gobbled up and signed by other teams. So we miss out on players that we might have signed. Then I agree with what you just said. He may have felt something during pre-season and thought, I'm not going to be able to do this, um, which, you know, that, that's a personal choice. It's a huge choice. I mean, most players um, are gutted when they have to stop playing and it's usually not by choice. Um, but then the other way of looking at it is he could have done this in another three weeks' time and left us even deeper in the, uh, in the mud, for want of a better term, with no option to do anything. He's, he's decided now, which does give us a little bit of time to hopefully try and replace him. So I don't think it's as black and white as um, I don't want to play anymore, that's it, end of story. I think there's going to be more to it and we can't really judge until the... Uh, the facts come out. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, again, there might be a crew sign-in announced before this podcast is out Monday morning or before you've listened to it. Uh, but similar to Charlie Kirk, I don't want to sort of sign him off and say, well done and give him his little uh, goodbye for the podcast until it's official. Um, but what I will do, because you guys aren't scheduled to be on next week, so if this is the last chance that you've got with Charlie Kirk as a crew player on this pod, he's been pretty good, hasn't he? Neil, go to you. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, for me, if you look at the comparisons between him and sort of how everything's panned out and um, Tom Lowry, like, he definitely deserves that move. Uh, I know there's been some criticism that if he goes to Charlton, it's sort of a semi-sideways move. But again, it's a massive pay rise. It's a massive, like, it's a bigger, a lot bigger club. Um, but he deserves it. He deserves a payday. He, he's been one of our top three or four players for the last two or three seasons now. And seeing your mates like Pixie, NG, Wintle all moving on, and you're sort of one of the last of the that stronghold to still be there, he's he probably it wants that move and you can't blame him to be honest um and yeah like I say un, unlike tom he hasn't really done that on a consistent level for that long yet um for the alex he's putting good performances but not long term good performances like charlie has uh, he virtually like he was a massive part and was getting promoted to league 1 a few years ago yeah, is there um, a little bit of reluctance, do you think, at the moment, Mark, with the fact it hasn't gone through with what Neil has just said? It is Charlton, and Charlton are, you know, they are a bigger club than the Alex, but they are in the same division. Will Charlie Kirk have seen Perry go to the championship, Pixie go to the championship, Winter go to the championship, and think, I'm just as good as those guys. Why am I not getting a move to the championship? Is that possibly what's holding this up? What held it up on Friday? Yeah, I would think so. Um, I would imagine he's got aspirations of playing in the championship. Um, you know, any player wants to test themselves at the higher, highest level. Um, I think it's 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 a more complex situation than people think. I mean, we've got to stand by our mantra and give players the opportunity to leave um, for better wages, bigger club, whatever league they're in, uh, because that's how we get them to sign contracts in the first place. Um, and what we don't want is this time next summer to be in a 
a situation we were in with Ryan Wintle where he walks away. He's only got a year left, hasn't he, on his contract? Yeah. So if he doesn't sign, then he walks away. And uh, is he old enough to get compensation? I'm not sure how old he is. We don't want to be in that situation anyway. Um, and the rumour is, and it is only a rumour, I'm not to privy to such details, that there's a release clause in his contract that's been activated. So we're perfectly uh, within our rights to say, yeah, off you go, go and have a, a talk. At the end of the day, it comes down to him. Um, me personally, I don't think Charlton are going to be a uh, certainly a, a dead cert for promotion. They'll, they'll be at the right end of the table, I suspect, but there's no guarantee of championship football next season. So it's ultimately down to him and, and what drives him, whether it's um, money or ambition. Now, Russ mentioned last week's pod that um, Dave Artel's pretty good at making signings. He's pretty good. He's got a good track record of bringing the right players in. Um, if Tommy Hoburn leaves to become a financial advisor, as is the rumour, is that the worst signing crew have made for a long time? Can we think no, of No, no, I don't think so. Um, I, it, you can't judge a, a signing on uh, a player that's never played. Um, he doesn't get many wrong, David Artell. Um, and it's just such a, a unique situation and one that probably will never crop up again. Um, it would be harsh to say it's the worst ever signing. Um, it's the, the strangest ever signing, I think, would be a, a, a fairer term. Steve, do I jump in? Yeah, it's it's just a bizarre situation, that one, isn't it? It really is. Um, oh God. Um, I'm sure we could all mention some names that aren't aren't great through the through the years, but um yeah, I don't as I, I agree with Mark. I don't I don't think you can say it's terrible because he hasn't sort of played, has he? But um it, it's it's strange from a from his own point of view. And that's the thing I can't quite get my head around. Is he signed a contract? He must have known, or he must have—I don't know. Um, it's an odd one, and maybe things will come out in the wash. But as yeah. ever, you know, as a, as a crew fan, sort of jumping back on the Charlie Kirk things and things like that, um, I'm sort of philosophical about such things. You know, we. I go back to sitting in the sixth form common room and somebody running in and saying, Rob Jones has gone to Liverpool, you know, I think in the end of the world, you know, it, the wheels will keep the world will keep turning, won't it? And, you know, it's next, isn't it? And it'll be Charlie who in six or 12 months time, we hope. Um, you know, there's obviously bumps along the way on this thing, but that's what we do, isn't it? So you've got to be prepared to let them go. Haven't you? If, if you're going to do what we, what we do. So, I yeah, feel yeah. sorry for the manager regarding um, Tommy because it must be so frustrating. We've just done a, a full pre-season um, and worked on partnerships and patterns and, and um, systems and set plays with him being a centre-half, defending and attacking. And all that's gone out the window today mm. uh, or Friday. Um, and you do think, oh, I, I sort of thought to myself, as a, as a human being, why would you put yourself through the rigours of a pre-season and go running around Delamere Forest carrying a bag of um, peat <laughs> and then decide that, no, it's not for me. So that's why I would suggest there's probably a bit more to it. Maybe there's a, a long-term niggle or something's just not right 
Yeah, I'd agree. I thought the press conference yesterday was very interesting. On Friday, rather, when people listen to this, the pre-game one. It wasn't so much what Big Dave said as what he didn't say. To me, he looked livid, I thought. Um, and I, I would suspect that it was the the Tommy thing rather than, you know, the Kirky thing. These things happen, don't they, you know? But um, he, to me, he looked really, really quite angry. If, if you watch it back, the first couple of minutes of that, he wasn't for being drawn on it. And he was it was one word answers. He was not amused, was he? Um, and but it, uh, to me, it was, as I said, more what he didn't say is what he did say. There's obviously a lot gone on and some bombs dropped somewhere. But um, as I said, got to be remain philosophical and move on, haven't we? You know, it's it's life. So nobody's dying, are they? Yeah, I agree with that. It's a significant time since I've been to um, to the Mournflake Stadium, Alexandra Stadium, Bristol Road, whichever it is to you. Um, and I have to say, we've talked about the scoreboard, but um, the pitch today was as as good as I've ever seen it. Um, the they look like they've invested in one of those um, those you know, the big UV lights that helps the grass grow in front of the main stand where it always struggles. Um, there's various windows like around the club shop where the glass has been replaced with a uh, glass that's got the Crew Alex badge on. Um, there's new TVs in the concourse. The, the lounge in the, the main stand has been decorated. And I just think that the, the club have made a real effort and used the, the downtime of COVID to make some, you know, people-friendly changes and the communication and the relationship between club and fans is as good as I can ever remember it in 30-odd years. Yeah, here, here, Mark. I would I would absolutely um, reinforce that, that view. You know, the things like the TVs and stuff, it doesn't, doesn't sound much, but it hadn't been done for so long. But, you know, the, the, new, the new guys you know, that are in control at the top are, are, you know, massive Alex fans, as we all know. And um, I know personally that they're, they're very, very keen to to move it on. And um, I think that, you know, it, the steps that have been made are are, are quite clear. And the, and the other thing is that they do actually show the, the game on iFollow on the tellies, but it's about a minute and a half behind. So if you missed a goal run down the steps and you can watch it live again. <laughs> we found out today, yeah. Okay. Uh, so on that little note of positivity there from the guys, I think we'll call this podcast an end there. So Mark, Neil, Steve, thank you so much for coming on today. Always thank a pleasure. And thank you as ever for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss the two away games that are coming up this week. Until next time, goodbye. Bomb, 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 bomb